Hi, this is Sylvia Dawes, and this is my Reinvision Health podcast. Now, a couple of years ago, I found out about Chef Mimi through a friend of mine. At that time, she was just about to release a new show called Bringing It to the Table. And I'm going to let her tell you all about that, because just, you know, coming up with your own show just kind of blows my mind a little bit. Now, Chef Mimi is known for hosting fun food events in the Bay Area, focused on the African-American food experience and working with African-American chefs. But what's truly made me want to share Chef Mimi with you today is her mission. Her focus is on bringing diversity and inclusion into our food space. She is also about showcasing food that speaks to our health, and has a belief that regardless of background or ethnicity, we are all connected through food. Chef Mimi, I'm really glad you're able to be here and talk to me today. Thank you so much, Sylvia, for having me. This is definitely a pleasure to share uh, my personal journey and pretty much what I want to do in the food and wine space. So yeah, thank you for having me on the show today. We'll start off with um, just, just so we get to know you a little bit better. Now, you've had this really long and creative career that certainly started before I found out about you. So tell me, just tell us about it. Tell us how you got started, why, why you're here, why you're doing this. Okay, so let's see. I talk about my journey when my mom um, showed me how to turn flour, oil, and water into gravy. Mm. I was like five years old, barely able to like look over the stove. And I just thought, wow, like that's amazing. Something so flavorful, so rich, just out of this, these three simple ingredients. And um, I kind of fell in love with food from a scientific base, you know, and then the mm. fact that it just tastes so good. I was just like, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is, this is magic, you know? <laughs> and shortly after that, I was fascinated by you know watching um like pbs with like jock lapan and uh, julia childs and seeing like you know certain tv chefs of that time there wasn't a whole bunch that was before the food network but i also noticed even as a as a young person that i didn't see anybody that looked like myself represented in the culinary space and so I remember around 12 years old, I sent off for an application to, to go to the Culinary Arts Academy at 12? in San Francisco at 12. <laughs> wow. At 12. <laughs> Not knowing that you had to be, you know, 18 and graduate. And I was just super ambitious, like, yeah, I want to go. I want to go to culinary school. And certainly uh, that dream was, uh, was on hold until I turned 18. <laughs> so uh, shortly after graduating from high school, I had applied and was accepted to uh, the California Coronary Arts Academy. And once I was enrolled in the school, I also noticed really, really quickly that there wasn't a lot of people that looked like me. The instructors didn't look like me. They didn't have the same ideas and backgrounds and stories. I just remember being in the introductory to culinary arts and we started in Europe. I even thought at that time it was a missed opportunity to start in, in Europe when African uh, cuisine and spices come out of Africa and went to India and traveled yeah. all over the world and really felt like, you know, well, why are we starting here and, and telling this story? So I, I felt there was a space that in an in a untold story that needed to be 
told and and that there was room for like diverse conversation and food. And so after uh, starting a catering company with some of the students at the school, we started, you know, catering around the Bay Area. And once people moved from the Bay Area because they couldn't afford to live here, and also not realizing that, you know, when you graduate from culinary school, you're really not a chef yet. <laughs> you still have to, you know, pay your dues, chop onions and be a prep cook. And, you know, you're making minimum wage. So you're yeah. not really able to um, to have all the things that you think that you're going to have when you're in culinary school. Like, oh, you're going to come out in the next, you know, be this great chef off the top. So that definitely something that was uh, in the back of my mind, but wasn't the reality And so I just started this journey of bringing it to the table because I wanted to see other chefs besides myself to give a platform where we could be seen, we can celebrate our culture, but also not just the culture of African-Americans, but, you know, we represent food across the entire diaspora. So, you know, there's Caribbean, there's African, there's, you know, even Puerto Rican, and there's, there were all over the world. So I felt that, you know, we needed to define our food as a global cuisine. A mm-hmm. lot of people, when they see a person of color, especially a Black person, they just think soul food and barbecue. Right. And although we love soul food and barbecue, I felt the need that we needed to uh, sort of redefine some of the foods that we were given during slavery and that we, you know, we made the best for, but it wasn't necessarily the best for our health. And so I came up with a concept called Soul Food 2.0 which redefines our own food in a healthier way using the foods that we love. So like greens, you know, you can make those vegan. You don't have to put ham hocks and those type of things. You know, yams are just some foods that we have brought over from Africa here and that are really indigenous to our health is important. And then just, you know, just sort of redefine some of the healthy foods that we, the foods that we love, but making it a lot more healthier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me let me pause here for a second, mm-hmm. and really talking about you know your food experience and really your your training experience at the academy. Having predominantly kind of white male chefs is, is my mm-hmm. assumption. And when you're talking about Soul Food 2.0, there's also I think this kind of social construct of well, you know, if I'm going to eat greens, they have to have ham hocks in them. You know, if I'm going to have yams, they have to be made this way. If I'm going to have chicken, you know, this or macaroni, whatever it is. And just this social feeling of if I don't have food that is really in keeping with how I know it or how I was brought up with it, then it means somehow that I'm not Black. And I think this is kind of a a challenge and not just for black people, for really a lot of people is the food has to be a certain way. And it sounds like what you're saying is let's think about our food even at a more at a deeper level, at a much more broad level. Yeah, I I wrote an article um, called Why Black Girls Don't Eat Avocado. And Mm -hmm. the article is based on a holistic view of food disparity in the Black community. And I I spoke about how I had to sort of defend and identify my Blackness with what I had on my plate, which I felt was really unfortunate for me 
at nine years old. I used to go to school with this really like ugly avocado sandwich on whole wheat bread, like really cracked wheat, whole wheat bread with sprouts and, you know, um, avocado. And, and people would look at me, black people would say, you know, you don't eat meat, you know, um, oh, you're not black, you know? And so I felt like, why does what I eat make you feel that I'm not black? And, and, and why is, if I'm eating junk food or fried chicken or food that's not, you know, as healthy for me, why is it that, why is that looked at as black food? And so, so I think those are some of the systemic stigmas that, you know, that we face when you're making a change or you're doing something different. It makes, because I, I didn't grow up eating soul food. I was raised in Berkeley back in the day. We, you know, my, my parents were vegetarians back in the seventies and sixties. So I didn't, I wasn't exposed to, to that type of food until I got older. And, you know, I, I tell my story because I feel like there's a lot of people that want to make a healthier change, but the culture or maybe their families or maybe the system doesn't, doesn't make them feel like that they're uh, important or and accepted. And so, you know, those are some of the things that we have to think about when we talk about race and we talk about identifying ourselves with things that are maybe not as healthy. I know that during the time when, you know, when soul food was, was somewhat created was people made really great food out of bad food you know, things that were considered, you know, garbage or throw away or not suitable for white America. And Black people took that food and made it into an amazing cuisine. But at the time, you know, they didn't eat an abundance of meat either. It was like meat was used as a seasoning and something that was rarely used. And then also with the amount of work and stuff that they were doing, they had to, you know, have some protein to keep up their, their nutrients. But, but now today, you know, we we have to look at things a little bit more global, you know, because there's foods from Africa, there's foods from the Caribbean, there's foods from all over that really speak to our health. And the fact that we sit on every, on the top of every health disparity is an issue. So, so we can't identify ourselves and say, well, I'm black because I eat, you know, chitlins, <laughs> or I'm black because I eat, you know, this this particular type of food. That doesn't make you more black than somebody who's eating an avocado sandwich, you know? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. I do. That's a really good point. And I think when um, we talk about, and this kind of strikes me, and we're both in the Bay Area, Northern California, which is known for food and restaurants and, you know, all kinds of variety. And it just strikes me, here we are talking about diversity and inclusion in the food space. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, right now I'm, I'm, I'm rotating in seven plus different tech companies in terms of providing catering services, okay. which is, which is great because there's a, there's also a, the same fight in terms of diversity and inclusion in the tech space, 
So when we talk about, you know, bringing in a, a Black caterer, and what does that really mean? And how does that sort of work along with the same ideas? Uh, I think it's, 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 it's something that companies need to look at and that people need to look at when we talk about diversity with food. But I don't want to just come in and make soul food. I don't want you to think, okay, we're going to hire you for Black History Month, but then I don't hear from you across the board. Yeah. No, I want to bring in food that is healthy, but is also cultural, culturally uh, sound for mm-hmm. our our position and, and our representation. And so that's what I've been doing. And, and it's been, you know, well received. Um, in addition to that, uh, getting into some of the events that I hold. Well, I guess I should back it up a little bit about bringing it to the table when we, we, we yeah, first started. Yeah, I want to hear all about <laughs> bringing it to the table, and I want you to be really right. clear on what this is. Okay. Okay. So bringing it to the table is the first African-American culinary competition. It showcases African-American chefs, African-American winemakers, pretty much everybody who is black that has anything to do in the food space we want to celebrate you the show is a competition where chefs are put into obscure challenges they have various things that they have to do and we invite them to be themselves and to represent you know the diversity within our own uh community so, you know, we have people who are from Africa, we have, you know, vegan chefs, we have, you know, chefs who, who um, have their own food philosophy, and it's just a really, really fun, fun show. We are going to be relaunching the show. We have, we broke the show down. We first had six episodes. We, we broke it down into 18. Okay. We'll be launching the show this year around July. So people can go to the website, which is uh, www.bittshow.com and kind of, you know, look at the chefs and look at what we've been doing. And part of that show is also what I had designed, which is called the Black Food and Wine Experience. Mm. What we did was we took the chefs from the show the same idea and bring it into an event space. So last year in October, we launched actually the 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 biggest black food and wine uh, experience. Wow! In Oakland, we had over 500 people come. The event sold out like two weeks before the event, and it was just amazing. We yeah. had three floors of black chefs representing their their brand and their food philosophies. We had uh, black winemakers. We had companies that are targeting African-American community and really doing a lot of great work in that space. And, you know, we had DJs on every floor. Mm-hmm. We we're introducing a new wave and a new style of, of how people experience food yeah. um, in a fun way. And on top of that, we wanted to introduce products that were healthier. So we had an area called the green room, which where we had a black girl named Kai 
who has a company called Ke- uh, Kube Nice Cream, which is non-dairy based coconut cream that she turned into ice cream, which, is, oh my God, it's so wow. amazing. Yeah. So we had her, we had um, Veggie Hub, which they do amazing vegan ribs that are made out of chickpeas. And um, the the chef is a scientist as well, and he produces his own proprietary product. We had Calafia, which is a plant-based company in Los Angeles, and they are disrupting the dairy industry. And so we had samples of those type of um, products. And we w- I wanted to showcase the vegan section because I want people to know that there's options. And I'm not saying that you have to be a vegan. I'm not a vegan, but I want I want pe- I want African American people to know that you know 90% of us are lactose intolerant. And there are plant-based products that are healthier for us, that have, you know, lower cholesterol, lower amounts of fat that, you know, are not mucus producing and that are healthier options. I'm not saying stay away from ice cream, but I'm saying there's also, there's there's an alternative to some of the things that you might be suffering from. Yeah. There's something else. And so a lot of these products are not targeted towards our community. So we just don't know about them. So people just think like, I only can drink milk. Well, no, there's plant-based milks. There's almond milk, coconut milk, soy milk. There's so many different types of, of, of products that you can use. We also showcased, you know, hey, you eat ribs, okay, but there's also vegan ribs. Like you can try these. Maybe you want to have a meatless Monday. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a concept around being like what I consider a flexitarian, meaning that you can flex throughout your diet and it will help improve one day you might be a vegan the next day you might be a a pescatarian the next day you know you might have some meat but being able to try different types of foods and not feeling like oh I gotta be a vegan I I just need to eat you know all plant-based will give you sort of an array of of different experiences with food and also help you on your journey. So that's another concept, you know, being a flexitarian and and trying, trying out different diets, different ways of eating throughout the week can definitely help with some of the health disparities that we are uh, facing in our community. Yeah. And there's rarely an all or nothing approach to anything. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can have, you know, greens with ham hocks, but, you know, I also know people who won't touch a green unless it has ham hocks, as opposed right. to, you could just saute some greens Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> with, without right. the ham hocks, just saute them. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I but love I think that, that if our people, I think that if our people don't get a chance to try so what I do is like when I'm catering, you know, I'll I'll push the envelope and I'll say, why don't you try? We'll make like vegan yams or vegan greens or vegan jambalaya, and then I'll have like regular, you know, greens mm-hmm. or um, jambalaya. And I'll say, hey, why don't you try this? And if the first thing they'll say, oh, it's vegan now. I don't want that. No, I don't want that. But then they try it, and they're like, oh my god, this is so good. You know, I didn't know that I could have this and and not lose the flavor I didn't know so really it's just the exposure a lot of times you know people they don't know that they can 
have something that tastes similar or the same and it'd be healthier for them because they're so embedded in I'm black I gotta eat this way you know yeah this is what this is what defines me and who I am and I think that when you do that you take away the opportunity to experience something different that could be better for you exactly and and whether or not you're challenged with a health issue right now I mean we all want to feel good and and be able to to be healthy and health allows us to do a lot of things I mean particularly as we get older you know um what what some you know people may know about me is me and my husband like to go to football games and it you know you got to be able to hike through the parking lot you got to be able to get up and down the stairs and that's a day and so for me it's like you gotta gotta keep it together. <laughs> I want to be able to keep exactly it that experience. Yeah, yeah. And in addition to that, um, you know, the food space in the last ten years have have exploded. There's so many opportunities in the food space right now. It's it's a very lucrative business, and and black people don't even represent one point zero one percent of the industry of a trillion dollar industry. And so when we talk about diversity and inclusion, we have to, we have to add the financial benefit, you know, Mm. to being in this and having a stake in something that is affects us all, you know? And so we went to um, the natural food conference in Anaheim last Mm. year, and there was close to 16,000, vendors and this is these are vendors that are that you will see like in whole foods and trader joe's and sprouts and stuff like that they represent the natural food um space and like i said there was about sixteen thousand vendors and out of those vendors i can count like maybe three were were black so when you talk about a global food movement you talk about black farmers, you talk about vendors and stuff like that. You got to be at the table to be able to decide. When we talk about sourcing food and the fact that black people get the worst food delivered to their communities, yeah. there's a food desert, but there's also a food swamp. And a food swamp means that there's an abundance of really bad food. So we yeah. have food, but it's just not the right food. And so when you have fast food restaurants popping up, liquor stores on every corner, stuff like that, those are the those are the systemic issues that our community is faced with. And then mixed in with this identity of being black and eating bad food. Yeah. That's sort of a recipe for all the health disparities that we that we are facing. Because a lot of the things that we're that that are happening to us is based on what we're putting in our mouths, you know? So, so bringing it to the table, back to bringing it to the table, we just, the show is a fun, is a fun show, but it also hits some of the the disparities that we are talking about. Like one of the challenges that we had was the chefs had to shop in a liquor store. They had to prepare a meal. That was my favorite, by the way. Like that one. So they had to, prepare a meal with eight dollars in eight minutes they didn't know why they were standing at the store everything on the show is real there's nothing that was staged what it was is what you've seen and so they had to go in the liquor store and prepare a meal 
and um, we we brought in a, a local nonprofit organization that actually supplies fresh fruits and vegetables to seven to eight different liquor stores in the East and West Oakland area. Mm. Um, and so that was a, a great partnership yeah. um, for us to be able to display that and also, you know, see some of the solutions around people being able to buy, you know, something out of the liquor store and make something out of the, out of nothing. Cause a lot of times the liquor stores are the only thing that people have in their community. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was a great, you know, opportunity for us to partner with Mandela Foods. And then we also got a chance to partner with Whole Foods and have, you know, these chefs running throughout the stores and, and, and being able to shop on a budget in Whole Foods, which is a little bit of a challenge at times <laughs> in the creative dishes. So we hope that everybody, you know, gets a chance to watch the show and root for their favorite chef. And probably what you've seen is going to be, um, once you see it again, you're going to be like, oh my God, this is so much better. We <laughs> We, we, we went, we did a lot of editing and um, we made the show a little bit more fuller. And then also just a lot of anticipation with the, with the way that we, we broke the show down into digital um, webisodes. Yeah. So I can't wait to launch it and have everyone watch it again. Yeah. And I remember the chefs on there, you know, they would take a challenge like that liquor store challenge and they would just put together the most beautiful dish. And, and something I appreciate about your show is that you related that back to how it can impact us. Like, you know, I get home one day and I don't feel like hustling all the way back out to a supermarket that isn't that close. And is it really possible for me to make a meal for my family, you know, out of the local store that is pretty healthy and inexpensive? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I just felt that we needed to, you know, like, we won't solve the food desert and food swamp issue overnight, but we do know that we do have these liquor stores and if we can create more synergy with them to see, figure out how we can bring in better, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables at an affordable price, then maybe, you know, people would be able to have options. I think one of the, the main things that I, that I'm pushing is that people have options because a lot of times people say, oh, I didn't know about that. Okay, well, now you know this is an option. You can try this, you know. Yeah. See if you like it and know that this exists. And we have to challenge our grocery stores. We have to challenge, you know, the, the food producers. We have to challenge these people to say, okay, why isn't that there's, there's not many products that are being targeted towards uh, African-American people and, you know, black and brown people in, in, in our community? Yeah. You know, why is it that everything is, is centralized into one community? I don't know. Most grocery stores, they have a um, sort of a, a, a prerequisition that they won't go into a neighborhood that doesn't have 90% of the people with a bachelor's degree, you know, right. so you wonder why. Yeah. So people wonder why, well, how come there's no grocery stores in our community? Well, that's it. They didn't say, well, we, we're not going to go on a black and brown community. They'll just say, we'll go on a community with people that have a bachelor's degree or higher, you know? So that's still, you know, yeah. a discrimination because they know that most people of color may not have that type of degree, you know? So, but mm -hmm. they still got to eat, <laughs> you know, yeah. they still, they still deserve fresh fruits and vegetables, you know? Yeah. Um, but they need to know their options and we gotta, we have to advocate. And so 
also with bringing it to the table, you know, it's a way to advocate. It's a way to bring awareness. The events that we do are a way are a way to bring awareness and to advocate to say, we're still here. You know, we we, we want to have these things. But the first thing is education. You have to you have to educate people to know what to ask for. You know, you have to educate people to know like these things exist, these products exist. Hey, if you're diabetic, then you can have stevia. You know what I mean? You can have other products that will give you similar sweetness, but without raising your glucose level, you know, or hey. Do you know that all these carbohydrates that you're eating equal sugar? You know, it's not just sugar you adding into your food. And are you really eating sugar? Or are you eating high fructose corn syrup? Do you know the difference? You know what I mean? It's it's the awareness. It's it's people understanding. The more you're aware, the more you can do something about it. You know, the more you can combat some of these things that are coming at us. And so by having a show that showcases black chefs then it will it will bring in people to want to watch and to see us doing things that will bring in some equity in our community and within within the food space but as long as there's no black chefs and people don't really get a chance to see you know people that look like themselves talk like themselves making food that 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 they care about then there's going to always be a disparity you know, because people are not given the same opportunities to see themselves in a light. There was an article that came out, and it was a Nielsen report, and they said that one of the reasons why a lot of products don't target African Americans is because we will purchase products without seeing ourselves. That's interesting. So, huh. so <laughs> that really just made me like it made me feel some type of way, but it's true. So they felt like, hey, if there is a product, just say like in white America, if if white people didn't see themselves in the product, they're not going to purchase it. Mm. But for black people and and brown people, if we see a product, we don't have to see ourselves because that's been the social norm. Wow. You know, we will purchase a product without seeing ourselves. Exactly. Something to think about. Definitely something to think about. Wow. Well, interesting. So when it com- no, go ahead. No, so I was saying, so when it comes to the food space, you don't have to be included in this because we know that you're going to buy it anyway. Yeah. You know, and so um, we have to challenge the, the, you know, these companies and say, no, we do want to see ourselves. No, this, this is not, you know, what we want to target towards our community in food. And mm-hmm. so... We do that in other spaces, but in food. So what I'm what I'm doing is I'm I'm stepping up. I put my own money up to create bringing it to the table. I, everything that I've done, I've I have invested in myself for the benefit of others to say that we're here. You know, so a lot of this was just seeing a need and 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 starting from that little girl. And watching PBS and seeing, you know, other chefs that didn't represent myself or my culinary perspective or my culinary style going to school and not seeing anybody that represented my perspective or culinary style and then getting out as a, as a female chef and as a black female chef being thrown into these, you know, kitchens that 
you know, are abusive and, and white male driven. And, you know, I didn't really feel a space in that. So I had to create my own. I had to step out and say, okay, I see a need for this. Right now you've got, you know, on social media, you've got close to a billion hashtags that have food or some type of food related, you know, uh, hashtag and people are celebrating food in a, in a bigger way. And now we can see it. But there's nothing that showcases us as a whole. So that's why, I, I mean, I could have done a show where I just stood up and did it how to, okay, how to make this and such and such. <laughs> but I wanted to, <laughs> but I wanted to create something that, that was powerful, that showcased, showcased tons of us, you know, tons of black chefs, winemakers, and an and opportunity for us to share. And the show is for everybody. It's not just for black people exactly but, it, but it's something that yeah <laughs> but it represents a particular niche you know and a particular group and so I, I just hope that people understand that but the story behind it is for diversity and inclusion in the food space it's for us to be able to tell our story um a lot of the chefs have been on the food network before and they felt that they didn't really get a chance to be themselves and tell their story. And this was the first time that they actually felt that their story mattered. And it's not cookie cutter, you know, it's really raw. And I, you know, I, I did most of the editing. I was an editing producer. I was the, the, the casting director. I was everything <laughs> from start to finish. <laughs> um, and, you know, I had to do that. I had to go through that it was a lot of sweat and tears and, 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 and a lot of uh, uh, energy put into it to design something to give to people to see. And I'm, I'm working on, you know, being able to show the world what the show was about and to be able to expand. And so the, the show started in Oakland, but we will be moving throughout the nation and hopefully the world. Um, because we got, there's a lot of us in different places. And so we want to go to Atlanta because, you know, there's a lot of black chefs there. We want to go to DC and New York, and we want to go to all these metropolitan communities and showcase their talent, you know, what's going on in their city in the culinary yeah. space. Um, and so, you know, we just need, we just need support and we need everybody to, to support this, this grassroots effort, you know, for us, by us. And, um, and I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just so thankful to have platforms like yourself um, to be able to talk and, and share my passion about what I'm doing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. It just requires all of us just to be open, even just a little open to something that maybe is different. Just a little open. You know, if it's the food, if it's the spices, if it we're going to try, you know, a, a dish that doesn't have meat in it, like, you know, you mentioned Meatless Mondays, and to not necessarily define ourselves as being a certain kind of way. I, I think, you know, the reason why I've started this podcast is that there's so much going on, as you've just talked about what's going on in the food space. It's just so much going on out there that if we don't pay attention to it, we can't get any of the benefits of it at, at any level. So one thing I, I want to, 
you know, make sure I'm clear about is when I look at you on the internet, you know, or in any other places that you've spoken, you do talk about um, being able to partner with, and I know you have sponsors, but also being able to partner with people in bringing this forward and really broadening this message. So you spoke about bringing it to the table and then catering and just having this platform. What else are you seeing out there or how, how, what other ways have people kind of approached you as a way of kind of broadening this? Um, well, recently, what you'd like to see? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I'm, I'm, I've built some partnerships um, with uh, some distribution, with a distribution company. Okay. Um, I will, I won't reveal it yet because I, I want to get everything solidified legally before we roll it out. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so there's, there, there's some celebrities that are, um, are interested in, you know, being executive producers and attaching themselves to the project so that we can put it on a, a bigger platform and, and get it out there. And so those things are coming. It's going to be great. But what we could do now is having several events this year. Um, including the second annual Black Food and Wine Experience in October. So stay tuned for that. If you go to our website, www.bittshow, you can sign up for our newsletter that's coming out soon and also be just sort of in aware of what is coming next. And also we're on all social media platforms, bringing it to the table, show, is on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and on um, my personal, I am Chef Mimi on, on Instagram. So yeah, so those are just ways to stay in contact and, and look forward to some of the things that are going to be rolled out for this year. My email, thechefmimi at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments or things that you want to see on the show, you know, send me an email. I do respond. Just, you know, trying to get myself out into the mainstream media you know we had a write-up in the source magazine and so if anybody is interested in interviews or having us come on a show you know we're we're definitely open this is the beginning stages you know of what is going to come of course you know anything that we're we're doing it has to be done you know financially so I'm always open to you know talking about sponsorship and stuff like that so we do have sponsors but you know every event everything that we do have we we have to bring in sponsors so we're always looking for sponsors and um yeah so that's that's pretty much you know where we're at with it and and what needs to happen and how we can move forward so those are the those are the top things and I hope I answered your question. You did. You did answer okay. the question. And actually, I'll also um, include some of those links on the reenvisionhealth.com website. So, you know, if you want to get in contact with Chef Mimi and or keep up with the Black Food and Wine Experience and the newsletter for bringing it to the table, you have a place to go. So kind of nearing the end, and I like to wrap up each podcast with getting from you just this one thing that we can do to actually be able to move forward our own kind of personal diverse and inclusionary healthy food experience and just one suggestion that you would make to people something we can take with us hmm. 
Let's see. That's a good question. Um, I would say one thing I would say is to be open. Hmm. Um, be open and be aware. So when you're out there and you're, you know, you're looking for products or food or, you know, just anything that you use in your daily life, um, look at the product and see whether this is the best choice for you based on how you're feeling individually. And if you're not feeling like your best, then there might be something out there that could be an alternative for you to try. So that would be one. Um, the other thing is, you know, support your local black chefs, caterers. If you're working in corporate and you know that you have lots of events going on in your company and you just don't take for granted, like, oh, it's just catering. No, like maybe ask questions like, hey, you know, is there ways that we can get diverse caterers in the in the company? You never know who's open and how people are perceiving things. If you ask for it, then you can support somebody else that you might know. Um, and that's kind of like how I got into the space. Mm. And there's there's so many things that we can do that we that we take for granted that I feel that if we're more aware and we share, yeah, we can make a difference. So share, 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 share this, this website, you know, go to bring it to the table, share that, talk to your friends, talk to your family about, you know, what you want out of your own health. What do you want to see? There's so much, there's so many ways that we can, we can be effective, even when you feel like you can't demand things that you want to see. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I came up with bringing it to the table is because I wanted to see this. I wanted to see a different vision. I wanted to be able to help. I wanted to be able to share and I wanted to see something different. So I went out to create my own show and create my own events without really understanding the, the, the television space or uh, event space. I, I learned and I, and I proceeded. So whatever you want to do in life, just, just do it. Just make it happen. Be the change that you want to see. Yeah. yeah. And that's for me. Well, I'm inspired. I'm inspired just hearing that you did all your own editing on your show and, and you brought all this, you know, up and out. I'm, I'm totally inspired. Um, and I want to mention something about be open and be aware. I once had a particular product that I was, it was a, a, a juice and I was drinking it specifically because it had pure cane sugar in it. And at some point it got bought and they moved the high fructose corn syrup. And I didn't even notice because I had just trusted them. So be open, be aware, get, have your antennas up pretty much at all times, at all times. So Definitely. So thank you, Chef Mimi, for being here today. I'm sure people are going to love hearing, you know, this podcast, hearing your story, hearing why you're here, what's to come. You know, I'm thrilled and excited and can't wait for the next black food and wine experience and you know anybody everybody come and check it out follow this stuff yay thank you for having me i appreciate it <laughs> all right and if you go to my website reenvisionhealth.com i'm going to have notes about this podcast there um also have some information on the different events that chef mimi has coming up 
and be sure to click and subscribe so you'll get notified of future podcasts. Take care.